Hi, this is Jordan Shively. I'm Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Caring Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or possibly dark story that we've heard, and then try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while probably not positive, will at least be productive. Jordan, what do you have for us this week? This week, I'm going to talk about the story of Polybius. Um, have you heard this one? I I genuinely adore it. Sometimes we hop on the call right before we hit record and the two of us are like, will this be the week that we've picked the same topic? And based on our preferences and how much weird shit exists in the world, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, they've been super far apart right. every time, like com- almost complete opposites a lot of times. No, I've never heard of this. And I just had a weird laugh about being like, no, it's no nowhere close to me. So this is... um. One of those true urban legends that, unlike most urban legends, this one doesn't have a, like a long history, and it only has very little smattering. Um, so Polybius is the urban legend surrounding a mysterious arcade game that surfaced around 2000. Oh, shit. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so there's been a bunch of shit talked about Polybius, but on the very, only in the last, like, what, eight, 19 years. Um as opposed to like, you know, the hook, the hook man or, you know, some of the ones that date back to like the 1800s. So the urban legend is that this game was part of like a men in black CIA psychology experiment with the gameplay pre- being made to produce like intense psychoactive and addictive effects in the player. They, they said that there are, these publicly staged arcade games were said to have been visited periodically by men in black to data mine the machines and analyze the effects on the people. And then, um, and finally, the Polybius arcade machines started disappearing after this happened. Of course, very easily to get rid of all proof to try to prove this legend. Um, Polybius is thought to take its name from the Greek historian Polybius, who was known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews and witnesses, which right away is already putting this into like the made up story <laughs> element for me, because like if it was the name from like a government agency, it'd be like, you know, the S729 game, you know, (laughs) not like, Oh, you know what? No, it's a really nicely rounded name for this. Um, So the meat of the story is that a new mystery arcade game started appearing in several suburbs of Portland, Oregon in 1981, which is weird because games come from publishers and they have like release schedules. So this is already making it. So it is not a normal game. It's, either supernatural or it is these specific four or five games that were like a test case for the government. The game was described as being so popular as to the point of addiction with huge lines and crowds forming to play it and fights breaking out over the playing order. Supposedly the machines, as I said, were visited by men in black who collected unknown data from them. Players supposedly suffered from a series of unpleasant side effects, including amnesia, insomnia, night terrors, and hallucinations, and the need for blood. Um, Last one, not so much. Approximately (laughs) one month after its supposed release in 1981, Polybius is said to have disappeared without a trace. The company named in most accounts is Sinishloshan. The word is described by writer Brian Dunning as a not-quite-idiomatic German, meaning sense-delete or sensory deprivation, these meanings are derived from sine, senses, and loshen, to extinguish or to delete, so to delete the senses. Um, sometime prior to 2003, the owner of CoinOp 
submitted a tip-off to the video game magazine GamePro about Polybius. Um, Polybius then appeared in a 2003 issue of GamePro, which features a story on video games called Secrets and Lies. This is only noteworthy because this is the first known printed mention of the game, exposing the legend to like a mass market audience. The article declared the existence to be inconclusive, helping spark both curiosity and spread the story, which is probably exactly what coinop.org wanted to happen because coinop.org is the first place it's ever mentioned ever is a fake entry of it be existing and saying that their people own the the person owns the ROM of the game, but then they can never produce the ROM of the game. And it's, I think it, the whole thing is coinop.org trying to generate traffic to their site. Um, the game though was supposedly influenced the writing of the last starfighter um, and has spawned several spinoff computer games. None of which those seem to have rage inducing psychoactive elements. This is one of those ones that has a really cool premise, but has a pretty easy to follow line of, made-up publicity stunt. But what if, Brock, Mm -hmm. what if there were something waiting in the heart of video games? What if there was a thing, an entity, that until we built machines with computer brains was kept out of our world? Something made of cold logic and orderly feral pathways. And now we've made it a networked world to live within. We opened the gateways by drawing all these neural pathways and computers. And then we stand there, hour upon hour, pushing our minds, our consciousness, into the darkness of our screens. Bits of our brains are being reprogrammed by the stimuli that we have, being rewritten, reformed by repetitive actions, repetitive thoughts, broken in like a glove, ready to be worn. What if? Boy, I really like that. So that's the the, the straight-up Polybius urban legend. I had uh, I had some friends two years back that uh, had put a couple of years into a Polybius documentary, and they took it to Kickstarter. Oh, really? And it was one of those ter- they were they were out of Portland, uh, and it was one of those terrible things that like it seemed really cool, and they needed like sixty k or something, and it suffered that terrible Kickstarter defeat of like being like a thousand dollars short, and then everyone, and then it just you know nothing goes through. That's the point when you put your thousand dollars in as the people making the movies. Exactly. You don't let it fail with $1,000. You borrow $1,000. Yeah, you you make that call to to mom (laughs) and dad and apologize for how you treated them for a decade and and see if they'll help. But is there, I don't know if there's really enough meat to the Polybius myth to have a whole documentary. Well, they interviewed a lot of people around the arcade scene in Portland at that time, including some people that claimed to have seen it. Uh, They also had what they claimed was some footage of it, and the footage of it looked a lot like the arcade game Tempest. Okay. Uh, So, like, I I at least have something to visualize when we think about it, but yeah. That definitely goes into there being a void in the game, and you're being, like, just going down this pathway. Yeah, yeah, when the center of the screen is a big darkness, and then there's all these weird lights. The the idea of reprogramming people that way makes a lot of sense, and I love the idea of the MK Ultra program being like, what if we last Starfightered this? I did not know that last Starfighter borrowed from that. I always thought that the timeline worked the other way. <laughs> Supposedly. So that's just from online research. People are saying that. Also, the idea, like, like Last Starfighter, at least, is like, 
well, here's a similar skill set to what we're looking for. Like I like elevator action, at least would be like a CIA game where you're shooting <laughs> other spies or something like it's it's weird that Tempest would be it. But it seems like it's all about subliminal programming. Starfighter, when that came out in the 90s, right? Starfighter, that's 80s. Oh, then that is 100 percent not possible in a real world version of this legend, because at the first place it's ever mentioned is in 2000 on coinop.org, then there's no way that it influenced the writing of The Last Starfighter. It's that late? Wow. I always thought that this yeah, was a th- forever thing. This was like a, but it, this legend said, like the, the legend backdates itself to the 80s, ah. saying that it came out, that the game would surface in the 80s, but no one, there's no written mention of this legend until 2000. Okay. So it, it could have been, I mean, you could say that it was all verbal folkloric up until coinop.org posted about it. If you're going to like really buy into it, then right. it, the written the written testament doesn't have to be the genesis of the legend. I mean, the very fact that if it was CIA, like Dark Ops, Men in Blacks, it not having a written legend kind of lends credence to it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're really bad men in black at their job. But yeah, so that leads me into the carrying into the void moment. The old gods are dead. Long live the new gods of steel, wire, and digital fire. But why stop there? Who's to say even these new gods are worthy of your praise? Your hours spent at the shrine of 100% completion rates. Your collecting of holy trophies. If they can lay there in the darkened web of comment threads, then they can be dragged hissing into the light of your regard. And very few things can survive that cleansing flame. For now, you are the sole crafter of the pathways of your mind. You are the architect of your habits and ticks. Turn those worshipful hours away from the depths and bathe in the self-care you deserve. Use every minute wisely, even when that means unwisely. Pick and choose your way through the digital banquet you have clawed up from the depths. Because it's true, after all, you are what would have eaten you. I really hope God doesn't know how many games I've a hundred percented. Oh God. Like E3 is just a moment of like excitement for me. And then just pure, like, yeah, well that's never going to (laughs) happen. You know, like I'm never going to play any of these things. Like at the most I'll, I'll have a let's play playing while I'm doing something. Cause like I'm halfway done with my life. I don't have hundreds of hours to devote to, entertainment i I too am having the thought of like this is probably the halfway point right if it's not going to happen like next week like i'm mostly halfway there i think so like it just becomes like a a returns you know was profit return kind of thing like if i'm going to vote this much time to this what am i going to get out of it becomes a very more predominant thought in my mind these days than when i was like in my in my teens and 20s when i would like yeah i'll sit down and like play every bit of this game spend 100 hours and not think it's a big deal remember when we would replay games oh yeah and that's like a bizarre concept now to replay like a story driven element game but yeah that's getting off into tech talk but my self-care is that i had major surgery this month and instead of rushing back to work which is was my first thought i'm instead going to follow the doctor's orders and do the full six weeks of recovery um which is completely contrary to the masochist construct that my life has built around my brain 
So it's letting someone else tell me to care for myself and listening is what I'm doing this week for, well, actually this month and a half for self-care. Uh, we're going to do this out of order then. Uh, I have the same self-care into the void uh, because uh, while Jordan was in the hospital almost dying, I was also in a different hospital almost dying. Uh, and we were uh, texting back and forth about just like, ah, oh, twinsies. Um, and, and what has come out from that for me is, is very much the same thing. It's just like, uh, I, there's stuff that I, I dismissed as like, you know what? I don't have to worry about that. And it turns out you do, uh, you should probably listen to somebody that knows more than you on some of these subjects. Uh, like, yeah, I'm just trying to do the same thing. And, and I equally was told to like, Hey, calm it the fuck down for a bit. Uh, and I don't know how to do that thing. So I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm, I'm getting into a bit of meditation. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to make my heart not be insane all day long every day. Uh, so that's, that's mine. Yeah. Let's, let's listen to doctors if, and if not in Western medicine, in some sort of medicine that helps you get to where you're going. Yeah. Our dual hospital at the same time episode, it was like, the most boring after-school special version of scanners ever. <laughs> and, and I've never heard my wife say flesh husks so much. She was equally worried about both of us because we had some sort of dragon heart scenario where if one of us goes, the other has to go too. All right. So what's your story this week? So my story this week is uh, the biolocated doppelganger. Uh, so I got really into uh, looking up doppelganger stuff. Uh, and I was looking at the history of it, which is that there's a lot of famous people that have claimed to have doppelganger experiences and like a, a predominant number of them are like heads of state, especially Queens of England and presidents of the United States in like the first 25 or so. Like Abraham Lincoln claimed to have several experiences where he walked in and met Lincoln Abraham uh, just chilling in his his room or whatever and tried to have. And, and as Lincoln would do was like, I tried to have conversations with him. And you're like, why? Why were you so fucking weird? Uh <laughs> So uh, th across the history of doppelgangers, mostly they're they're perceived as these sort of sinister beings, uh, a mirror image of you, but not bizarro, just like a, a dark version of you that, uh, you know, you don't want to touch them because of time cop rules. Uh, and and most people say that they wander in and out of their lives or people are like, uh, you know, it's uh, there's a few that are mostly like they seem closer to ghosts. It's just like the ghost of a person, but people call them doppelgangers. It's a weird category. But. Uh, there is a concept with doppelgangers uh, called biolocation, uh, which is basically like astral projection. But the idea of it is that there is a doppelganger of you somewhere in the world and that you can just jump into their body whenever you want to uh, and, and do that uh, biolocating. Uh, and uh, I was like, OK, well, that's really interesting because I've always found astral projection really weird because I was like, what, what what would I do if I could just jump to anywhere uh, and uh, the idea of somebody else just having their life and looking like you and your ability to do this is like, OK, that's really fascinating. So one of the most famous examples of this is that in the 17th century, uh, missionaries and explorers in the New World were finding all these tribes, especially around New Mexico, that were already practicing Catholicism when these were the first white people to get there. And they were like, what? what's happening? And the tribesmen said that they'd been converted by a mysterious lady in blue 
who had taught them all about the teachings of Jesus and like had given them crucifixes and other like worship stuff, which they, they absolutely had, they had the physical items. So uh, the Spanish got really invested in this and they're like, the, the hell's going on here. And they found uh, a woman named Maria de Agreda, who was a young blue robed Spanish nun. And they, talked to her and she was like, Oh yeah, I've act, I've never left this nunnery in like in my entire life, but I biolocate across the ocean all the time to preach the good word. Uh, and they burned her. Oh, we're getting there. Uh, and, and, she didn't, <laughs> and she like, didn't have like uh, a name for the country yet. Obviously she just kept calling it like a savage land, but she had all these details and stuff that like, again, she never left the, the covenant. So it was just like, what she does. She couldn't describe like the area around where she lived. So the fact that she was describing New Mexico and these Indian tribes in great detail was, was crazy. So uh, she of course then was taken into the Spanish inquisition uh, and they, they questioned her, probably tortured her. Uh, and at the end of it decided to acquit her of witchcraft charges uh because they declared her power to have come from a divine origin. Uh, but also like, I guess my question is like, if somebody's got witchcraft powers, but they've already started converting a new continent to, to Catholicism, is that just like, is that a wash? Is that an even out there? Like, okay, well she's like a Christian witch. So, so this gets to keep going. Uh, and she actually like rose to some prominence. She became leader of her covenant uh, and then wrote a bunch of these rambling books on how she acquired her powers that never like, lined up and and then over the years uh, as she was asked about things her story changed later in life she uh, claimed that like she'd been forced to say the things by the spanish inquisition but that timeline doesn't even work out because she was doing this long before she'd been pulled in and then like at near the end of her life she was like this was true after all and then she died uh so it's just a really fascinating story but also an equally interesting story about like the bureaucracy of the spanish inquisition like well, I guess I guess she's doing Jesus work. So, like, we can't be that mad at her. Uh, <laughs> and like the the finances for getting uh, nuns like across the ocean into New Mexico, if she can just like magic fly there and there's some version of her just doing this already. Cool. That works out for us. Like, should we out? Should we outsource this? Should we outsource <laughs> the good news? Uh, so here's my carrying into the void. Project yourself across the great vastness. Send some piece of yourself where it does not belong and see what it brings back. Or maybe let it settle down, dig roots, and begin to change the very nature of the electrons and protons around you. Picture a distant alien landing where you belong just as much as you belong here. These aren't two yous. This is the entire spectrum of you. Learn from your other as your extension builds from you. Occupy every space you can and share your spark with anything that will receive you in the dark. Nice. <laughs> um you got anything you want to share with people you're doing this week or in any projects uh i i am uh i'm a producer on uh, majority 54 for crooked media now uh which is a fairly big to do political podcast uh and i've been uh writing and running that for a couple of weeks now our first guest was lynn manuel miranda uh oh, so i am cool. a, a, a little out of my depth here i do have a recording of him not believing that my name is real in the studio uh, and he was like, Brock Wilbur, that's not a real name. My name's Chest Rockwell. Uh, and if you hear it in Lin-Manuel's voice, you're just like, all right, Lin-Manuel's doing Boogie Nights references with me. Uh, this is, uh, I guess this is as good <laughs> as it gets. Uh, my other podcast, Missouri Loves Company with my wife, is finally coming back uh, between medical stuff, travel. Uh, 
both this show and that show have been on uh, a little longer hiatuses than I think we wanted. But uh, I'd also just like to to thank everybody that's been listening. Like uh, I was Jordan was in the hospital and then I was in the hospital and uh, it, it just seemed to be an interesting time that a lot of people found our podcast in that time. And there were so many mornings I woke up and somebody I either didn't know or somebody that I really looked up to was often had some sort of message on Twitter of like, hey, you should check out this thing because it's really cool. And uh Holy God, does a little bit of positivity just go a long way, especially in in something like this where like we don't get some we don't get that many stats back on our show. And so when somebody's like, hey, I listened to it uh, in my uh, depressed, sad brain, I'm like one person's doing it. Oh, my God, this is great. Uh, so thank you guys for all the positive words. And of course, for uh, being there for both of us flesh husks as we went through a difficult time. Jordan, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> Um, I'm still writing some role-playing games that I won't be able to mention yet, but I will be able to mention probably in the next episode or two um, because they will have gone public by then. So not really anything new. You can follow me on at Hottest Singles at Twitter, which is just as weird as it sounds. And please remember to review and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher because it helps the podcast stick out in the abyss that is Apple. Oh, and also subscribe to what Jordan's doing on uh, on Twitch. Uh, I, I find it very fascinating. Like uh, he's streaming games and stuff, but also is just throwing up the camera when he's doing work times uh, and just uh, watching him write or uh, work on whatever he's working on. It's uh, there's a, there's there's occasionally some live streaming of D&D smut. So, you know, if that's something that you're into <laughs> some 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 racy Ravenloft. Oh, my um, God. But yeah, so I do design and chill streams um, on Twitch. It's just Jordan Shively, J-O-R-D-A-N-S-H-I-V-E-L-E-Y. And basically, we just throw some tunes on and we sit around and chat about what it is to be creative, what projects we're working on, and how we can better achieve those. And at the same time, I'll be working on sharing my screen with whatever design work I'm doing. So it's really more about the chat community than the design aspect, but it's a fun time to talk about being creative or just to share that sometimes when you're doing design work, it's really like hard to concentrate. And I find having a stream going where there's people in it keeps me on task. So if you feel like being kept on task, come and join us. You can follow and subscribe and then we can always design and show together. It's like like the most nerdiest HGTV commercial ever. (laughs) Come chill. All right. All right, that does it for me. All right, cool. See, we'll see y'all in the next episode. And remember, until then, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. Bye. Thank you guys so much. See ya.